0: Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces Podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces Podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, with a special guest on today. His name is Dane Sanders. I'm going to hand the mic off to him.
1: Thanks, Joshua. Thanks for having me. It's been a a little bit and I'm so pleased to be in this conversation, especially given the offline things that we've been chatting about, hopefully bringing those on to the conversation here for your listeners. But, um, it's funny. I, I actually have asked Joshua if I can introduce myself and that's kind of an odd thing to say for a guest on a podcast. I recognize that, but it's, it's because I want to give some context. So, um, for those who have never heard my name, and there's lots of you, uh, I my name is Dane Sanders. I did my undergraduate degree in marketing, and this is relevant to our conversation. At the end of my marketing degree, I felt like I had learned how to manipulate people to buy things they didn't want or need, and I felt really gross about it. So I did the next logical thing, and I went to grad school and studied philosophy, and uh, the exact opposite of marketing. And I studied Aristotelian virtue ethics in particular. And if you if you have any friends who've gone on to study Aristotelian virtue ethics in grad school, you know that they are either a unemployed or b they became teachers. And I became <laughs> a teacher. And uh, thankfully, and this is about 20 years ago now, but I really got interested in this notion of what is the good life and how do you actually live in that good, life. What, do, what kind of capacities do you need to create in your life to experience that existence? And not only for myself, but uh, for those I'm in life with, my wife and my kids, and um, how do I both model things and encourage things and live into a, a great life? Well, it was about 20 years ago now that I um, was teaching at this liberal arts college up in Santa Barbara called Westmont College, and I ran into two individuals in that season of my life. The first was a guy named Seth Godin, and a lot of your listeners would know who Seth is. He's an extraordinary human. Uh, I love his books. Um, I like him even better. And as a first, as a just a professional colleague, and then someone who's uh, gotten to know more personally over the years, he's just in, invested in me in ways that has have been profound. So much so that I actually, like marketing now, I think marketing is actually <laughs> an amazing uh, thing when it's done well, when it's done ethically. Um, and, uh, and the second person I met back in that day was a guy named Donald Miller. And Don, who Joshua and I kind of share a relationship with, uh, is someone who, um, he got to start writing New York Times bestselling memoirs. And those books were extraordinary. Um, but in more recent years, he, one of his memoirs was extraordinarily successful, a book called Blue Like Jazz, and they were making a movie out of it. And they had to create the screenplay from the book he wrote. And the screenwriters were actually like, hey, Don, um, your life isn't very interesting. Uh, and he was like, what do you mean? I have a bestseller. And they're like, yeah, you're a good writer, but um, your life, the thing we're going to make the movie about, not so much. Um, we actually—we need to make a story out of, out of your life. And he was like, well, what does that mean? And he started looking at how story works, um, all the great stories that have ever been told. And he realized two profound lightning in a bottle ideas. The first one was, you and I, and everyone listening, have a chance if they're if they're careful enough to get to know how the greatest stories that have ever been lived have happened. To actually take that exact framework and live into that life, to be what um, uh, Joseph Campbell talked about here on a mission to to actually be after a bigger existence. Uh, Victor Frankl's talked about these. Like there's so many great thinkers, and I'm sure we'll to get into these dialogues. Because actually it's relevant in some business because the second insight Don had was not only can you create an epic story and live into it yourself as an individual, you can actually position your organization, have a brand story that can do the same thing for your customers, where you can actually position in the marketplace in such a way that you will attract clients as opposed to have to chase clients. You'll attract employees as opposed to have to chase employees. The people who come and hang, if you give them a story that's really interesting, that they want to be a part of well guess what uh, they'll they'll be more engaged they'll stick around longer and you'll become famous uh in your world and become a talent magnet so there's all of these ancillary benefits to story as it relates to companies as it relates to individuals and those two individuals really kind of set the trajectory for my life uh right up until today
0: i love that i love that dude and you know i For listeners out there, you know, I met Dane when I, I hired a story brand, uh, coach to come out, uh, and, and teach us how to story brand our business uh, master plan. And, you know, he came out, he flew in from California and we spent a couple of days together working on, you know, uh, narratives and ideas and how we solve problems. And a lot of my current thinking uh, comes from uh, a lot of the learning during that time. So Dana, it was mm-hmm. really, it was a powerful time for us to spend together with the team. And, and, you know, I've, I've helped others through that conversation because of what you taught me and what uh, Donald Miller's books taught me uh, as mm-hmm. well. So that's why I wanted to have you on a podcast so you could share with the listeners a lot of the gems the things that you learned through the process of working with Donald and even even Seth as well and and now you have your you know tell me your dreams going on so I I just Mm -hmm. love to kind of open you up and and focus not just around the marketing side of things but more around company culture and finding and hiring and 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 holding a plus players because I know that's a big topic right now with companies that are trying to scale during this crazy time Mm -hmm. and I know some are doing really really well you can see the ones that are holding hundreds of employees and others who struggle to get one or two employees. So yeah. I'd love to unlock some of the little jewels that you know, and, and what you teach and what you do when you help people to, uh, to kind of have a conversation around that today. How does that sound?
1: That sounds great. And it's a, it's a great tee up because when I think about um, you know, guys like Seth and, and Don, what kind of the foundation for me that they set formationally and, and if we're honest, like Aristotle, <laughs> like these aren't the first guys to think about these ideas. But they're in a long list of practitioners who have done, have learned a skill and not only for themselves and had great success in their own organizations, but have been generous enough to share those ideas with others. And I'm one of the benefactors of that. And um, right up until today, where uh, what I do uh, is I run a company called Tell Me Your Dreams, um, which is kind of an odd name for a company. And I'll explain that in a second. But it really comes down to the conversation I'm in almost every day with entrepreneurs, and it's like this. If I ask any entrepreneur who's listening to this podcast, what do you want to do? They'll 100% say, I want to grow my business. Everyone wants to grow their business. I I recognize that. Mm -hmm. But the ones that I love, the ones that get me excited, they don't just want to have a healthy bottom line. They actually want to build a great company. But that's a problem. And the problem is significant. Because wouldn't you expect that if you had a great company that had, you know, was successful, had a lot of revenue, uh, maybe even profit, <laughs> uh, that those companies would also have people who were making those things possible, the employees, that they would be thriving. They wouldn't just be getting by. They would actually love their jobs. Mm-hmm. But even with all of the great successful companies that have dollars, uh, all the data is pointing to the fact that there just aren't that many great companies right now. Half the population are looking for their jobs, a Great Resignation, um, something like uh, four out of five employees feel uh, misunderstood and undervalued in the workplace, and two wow. out of three are disengaged at work, meaning they have way more capacity, but they just don't offer it up. And mm-hmm. uh, when you think of all that, we can forgive moments because of things like COVID and all the things that people went through. But... The truth is there were there were organizations even under significant duress that didn't have those data points that actually had people who were thriving. And at Tell Me Your Dreams, what we do is we well, we spent the last almost three years now just researching what are the key ingredients to, to, to teams having employees that just are breaking down the door in the morning and give their all and just are so excited to be there. And we've discovered some really key elements that, for first of all, match a lot of the things that I learned from the folks I mentioned earlier, and that I am so grateful to be practicing in my own life, which we'll talk about. One is um, individual well-being. Uh, are your people on their own, distinct from their work in their own lives, are they self-governing? Are they able to navigate life in a way that they have some sense of agency and autonomy in their life. So if you have employees that are like that individually, that's a good sign that you're on the road to a super healthy culture. Second, um, let's say you have a bunch of healthy individuals, but they're not on the same team. They're not, they're just jumping around on their own. And the, the limit of what they can pull off is the limit of any one of those talents. But if they all would jump at the same time, if they all would voluntarily work as a single unit, well, then they can do extraordinarily more than any one person could. Um, so how do you actually get there? And you can chat about that if you'd like. And then the third one, which is the one that I'm most interested in is, is motivation, is how do you actually set an environment where people want to do the thing? Where mm-hmm. it's not like a have to, it's a get to. And uh, what we've discovered is that when you invite dreams, you discover drive. You discover yeah. an organic, non-coerced mechanism for people to actually get after it. And and it makes sense, right? Like most organizations are set up so that we give employees money and employees give us their time and talent. Mm-hmm. And that's the exchange. But what we don't have in that transaction is their heart. Uh, What we have is a capacity and what something magical happens when an organization uh, and by the way, people don't have to hire us to do this. They can do this on their own. But uh, when people find a way to not just beg the employees with money and foosball tables and free lunches to please, please, please care about the mission. Our dreams as a company, when a company's leadership actually creates space to care about the dreams of the employees just as much magic happens the world transforms because they Mm. might not even have their dream job but they have they absolutely have a job that helps them achieve their dreams when that when that's internalized people do get up in the morning with a sense of purpose and interest and they want to get after it and and what most organizations fail to miss is they think that if it doesn't help them get what they want then they don't want to participate and i think it's radically short-sighted when they do that
0: Totally. Totally agree, man. And, you know, we're, we're on the same page with that. It's probably why we meshed so well a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's, I've always believed that a, a, a good business is a vehicle to get everyone to their dreams faster right? That's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a conduit. It's a way to do that. But if it's the old style of king on top and all the peasants work for him or her, mm-hmm. then nobody wants to, nobody wants to be in that kind of transaction. As you mentioned, you know, they're mm-hmm. looking for someone to help them transform their life and chase those dreams and be, have the the work be part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when you lock into a team that's going to go through hell with you and mm-hmm. you're going to need to lead them. They're going to need leadership. But, mm-hmm. you know, to your point of having Uh, That focus and thinking about how can we, you know, how can we do that? How can we make their dreams come true? So that's actually a question I'm going to spin over to you, Dane. So, you know, all right. So I'm a business owner. I love this idea. I love the idea of helping others, you know, achieve their dreams. How do I start? What do I do? Like, how do I even begin to think about this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, (laughs) this, this question I'm going to answer very directly and I don't want to offend anybody because it's such a simple starting point, but I think sometimes, uh, when we have like minimally viable starting points, we actually might do something with it. So that's the the purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 quickest answer to that is ask your employees what they want. Yeah. What what and actually be curious about their aspirations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there's an amazing story. There's a company out in Minneapolis. Uh, there's a book written about it actually called The Dream Manager. Um, but it was it's a janitorial services company and. In this, like nobody, when they were kids said, I can't wait to grow up and be a janitor. Nobody said that. Right. And as a result, the industry standard, not just this one company, but the industry standard for turnover that this company actually had was 400%. So every position turned four times a year Mm. and they realized that's expensive. (laughs) That's a hard way to go. So what they did was they went ahead and uh, created this idea of a dream manager where this person's whole job was to get curious about what the employee's dreams were and see if there's anything that company could do about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: what they found out was, first of all, um, minimally viable dreams are not that expensive and not that complicated. Like people were saying things like, I would, I would dream of getting home, not exhausted and being there for my kids to help them with homework. That's my dream. Wow. So they went, "Well, what if we got a van and drove you home so you didn't have to do public transport?" And they did that, and they like a series of those kinds of little things. And all of a sudden, in this hyper blue collar, not like these aren't, these weren't massive investments because the company was working at scale, but they were with a very little investment, they dropped practically turnover from four hundred percent to one hundred percent. just by taking creating space, Mm-hmm. Uh, and asking the question, what do you want? And then getting mm-hmm. creative and saying, how can we help? Now, that's one approach, but there's a lot of approaches. At, at TMYD, what we do is we actually, uh, companies will bring us in. I, what I do is I, I um, me and my business partner, Tommy, Tommy's a, a therapist and uh, he is our chief mental health officer because what we have this interest in is smuggling proactive mental health into the workplace without it being therapy. So we Mm -hmm. do it through dreams. And the way we do it is we hire uh, mental health professionals. So we're doing this work responsibly. They don't do therapy with employees, but they're they're trained with a ton of background. And we go in and we hang everything on this thing called dream day. So picture like a company pep rally, where the only purpose of the pep rally is to celebrate the aspirations of the employees. And at the very first pep rally, Uh, we, we, we explain how it all works and people sign up and they start their journey. And for the, let's call it for the first three, three or four months, um, there's a cohort of people going through this process of meeting one-on-one twice a month with our dream guides. And their job is to just walk them through a series of exercises to help them identify what is a dream they want to go after. And then Mm -hmm. they come back to dream day. Um, and at the next dream day, they're actually declaring their dream. While another group is starting their journey, and the next day, or next dream day, um, the group that started is achieving their dream. They're getting in a totally different model of coaching that's around performance and having a hard job, but also wanting to get after a dream simultaneously, and creating space and routines and habits to make it all happen. So the next dream day, there's a group who are starting over, starting from the very beginning. There's a group who's declaring their dream, and there's a group who are de- declaring that their dreams are achieved. And what it turns into is this culture, like epicenter, where people have this like rich internalized experience of not only do the bosses care about this because they're paying for it, but not only do I care about it because this is my dream, but I have a group of colleagues who actually are cheering for me, Mm -hmm. are actually like wanting me to get what I dream of having. Having, and here's the biggest kicker, Joshua, they are able to tell themselves a story. About themselves that just wasn't true before. Hmm. They like we we have had so like there are people working for companies who are of leaders who are listening to this podcast right now who have uh, they're saddled with student debt and they actually believe they will never get out of student debt. There's hmm. people who have a dream car they'd love to have someday. There's people who want to buy their first home. Uh, there's people who. Um, want to get in shape and get someone to like them. Uh, you know, sure. <laughs> there's so many, you know, there's so many different dreams that people have and they just don't think it's possible. And then mm-hmm. they go through a process like this and all of a sudden they pay off their student loans. They buy their first house. They, and who do they credit? They credit, first of all themselves, cause they did it, which they should. Mm-hmm. But second, they go, I work at a place that actually helped me get in that position yeah. Like, do you think there might, they might show up to work a little different? Do you think they might, <laughs> for they sure. might be there forever, but yeah. do you think they might like stick around a little longer than they would have if they didn't get their dream achieved there? And do you think they're going to tell their friends about it? That, and that might have in turn some help in actually creating a space where people want to go and, Oh my gosh, can I please get a job here? Um, yes. that's the kind of thing we're going for. There's some, fun lore of, um, back in the day before the tragedy of Tony Shea passing in Zappos, um, you know, it was harder to get a job at Zappos than it was to get in Harvard. Mm. Um, and because of the efforts that they did, the story they built, like this idea that I would get to work there. And one of the funniest things they do is in the heyday of their hiring. Um, if you got hired at Zappos, the first thing they would do is they would meet with you with a thousand dollars cash. And they would say, um, we'd like to give you this leave bonus. Don't take Mm -hmm. the job, say no to the job. Here's a thousand dollars. And we'll just call it a day. And anyone who took the money, they Zappos one could they save so much money from turnover. Mm -hmm. Um, the employee one could say, they're like, I got a thousand bucks and I left, but the ones who stayed, they actually became believers in the place. So it's initiatives like this that I think it takes some creativity, it takes some thinking. Um, take some guts to believe and play a bigger game than most companies do. But when they do, they, they actually give themselves a chance of becoming a great company. Not just, not just one that they benefit from.
0: I love that story with Tony. That's, that's such an amazing thing. And yeah, like you pay your people just come in, here's money, leave. And if you don't, maybe you want to stick around for a little bit and then we'll offer it to you again too. Right. (laughs) Talk about having people that'll stick around. That's, that's a huge piece now. Yeah. Um, it's so powerful though when you work from the dream side. And I love that you're doing that, Dane, because mm-hmm. it's, it's so powerful and so often missed, you know, in the, in the old work thing, you know, figuring out, you know, you're going to be working from 18 to 65 and then hopefully retire at some point and probably jump in a box. Right. So why not have some fun in between that and have a, you know, work with a group that actually wants the same things you do. And, You know, we, we instituted here a master plan. We, we, I read a book, it was called uh, big five for life. It's an Mm. obscure book, but it goes through and it says that you should, you know, plan out your PFE, your purpose for existence, like your basic mission statement, your personal Mm. mission statement. And then you pick five things that you'd consider that as long as you get these done within your lifetime, that you'd consider it to be successful. Right. Mm. So, and what we do is we share these with our group, our team. So I've written mine out, you know, and the others have as well. And each year we go through them and say, okay. Um, are we, is everything good? Has anything adjusted? Anything changed? And then when we're looking to do things as a team, I look, and I'm like, okay, everybody likes stay outdoors. Let's go for a hike. You know, Mm -hmm. somebody wants to pay off their student loan, right? Let's figure out how to make that happen faster. This Mm -hmm. one wants to travel more with family. Let's make sure we can figure out how to make that happen. And the next Mm -hmm. thing you know, it's like, you know, everyone just loves coming to work and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. most days, right? But it's, everybody gives a hundred percent because this machine becomes a, 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 a speed machine, if you will. You know it, no. it catapults them closer to it and that's I, I love when we can be part of those kind of conversations because it's so uh, joshua
1: that is so powerful and, and it's interesting too like first of all that book sounds incredible second that you would care enough about your employees you're out caring the competition it's one of the reasons why you're winning right now and two at uh, three rather it matches the science like mm. if you look at um uh all of the research done around motivators uh, extrinsic motivation versus intrinsic motivation um extrinsic motivators are things like I hey I get to go to a cocktail party and say I make this much money or I'm this good looking or I have this I'm in this position on the status ladder and I'm giving cues to tell you that I'm awesome Those things are what most humans pursue and they think that's going to give them the good life yep. and when they go for those things and they get them they have to discover how it didn't deliver. It mm-hmm. never delivers. It's insatiable, actually, because you're this on the ladder, but I could be this. You're, you yep. know, you're this much money. I could be that. And there's always a sense of like, I'm never actually at peace. But the folks who go for intrinsic motivators, things like mastery, things like understanding that the world is is full of suffering and it's difficult and actually showing up in difficulty is where we create meaning in our life and, and investing in people, uh, in a community of people who love you and you love them. Those intrinsic motivators, they actually deliver while you're getting them. Even when you don't have them, they still deliver on the road to getting them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Viktor Frankl talked about this. If we don't have a meaningful story to tell ourselves about suffering, like going to work when it's really hard, but wanting to do the work, especially when it's hard, that's when it's magical. Like you and I were talking offline about our workout programs this morning. And, you know, whether it's a workout thing or doing goofy things like getting into a cold plunge or doing, you know, breath, holding our breath or, you know, whatever yeah. people are into, there's always those days where you just don't want to do it. And yep. I loved how you put it. You were like, yeah, but feelings have kind of overrated. Uh, how yep. I feel about doing it versus did I do it or not are so different. And it's because you have learned how to be that kind of person. And I think that's what most people crave. They don't want to, they want the benefit of being that person without the work of doing it. But ironically, the work of doing it is the benefit. That's actually yes. where the gold is. But one hundred percent. We sound so weird when we talk like this because that's it, it's uncommon for people to live um, freed up like that.
0: It's so so true you know it's it's and Tony Robbins says the best you know it's not the the goal that we're after it's the journey along the way that's how we mm. that's we have to become the person that can achieve the different uh, goals that we're after and it's in the achievement and the becoming that you you find yourself and you discover things about yourself and that's where the fuel comes from it's not the freaking a goal I mean I've run a marathon already and you know the marathon yay I'm done with the marathon but it was all the preparation the mindset that I had to get rid of to get to that point to not stop mm. running when everything in my body told me to stop or even Mm -hmm. this morning like we were talking offline where every cell my body didn't want to go for a run didn't want to go for the cold shower didn't want to do pull-ups didn't want to do the meditation didn't want it at all yeah and i said i don't care if i want it this is what's Mm -hmm. done and there's Mm -hmm. no questioning in that and out i went Mm -hmm. and i'm feeling much better now because of it you know but i cannot let my mind beat me because it will not work
1: And those are the best days, right? When you can overcome that. Like some people give in, I get, I give, I give in days where you just don't get it done. But, but there's, when you actually find a way, it's actually the crappy days when you didn't feel like doing it and you get it done. Talk about a lift, talk about an Insta insta sense of like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've already won the day. I won the day before I even start. And, um, like there's this, uh, new friend of mine, I had a chance to have him on, on my podcast and it was uh, a guy named Jersey Gregoric. and Jersey, uh, he was on Tim Ferriss's podcast too. So that's one of the reasons why he's uh, a well-known guy, but he was also a champion Olympic weightlifter. Uh, and he coached UCLA's team and he's in his seventies now, just a sage guy. He's an artist and he's still re- unbelievably fit. Um, and we were talking and he has this famous line that just really sums up this dynamic. Uh, and it's, um, easy choices, hard life, mm-hmm. hard choices, easy life. And that as a mantra, uh, I think is so valuable. Like, so let's say I'm a listener right now and I'm running a company and, uh, I really want to employ new people. Well, you have a couple choices, easy choices or hard choices. And the hard choices might seem like, oh, man, that takes too much time, building a culture, having values that we actually hold, writing things down that people want to do and coming back to that and having that inform what you're going to go do with a team event. Like, that's, those are hard choices. But what happens is you actually have an easy life when you do it. The reverse, though, is when you take the shortcuts and you, you settle for foosball tables and free lunches and not you don't care. People don't know that you care in a deeply felt way, well, those are the easy choices. And then you get wondering why it's so hard to get employees to come in the door and work. Um, so if, if people get nothing out of it, I hope you borrow a page from Jersey, because uh, it it is such an easy reframe of what's going on. And And if you're not getting the results you're looking for, take a look at your choices before you got what you got. And it's not one-to-one, it's not like a perfect, it's just a guide, not a, it's a principle, not a, not a promise. But I've hunched more times than not, there was some easy choice you made that made this moment hard. And if you want to in- invert that, you're in a new moment now, make the hard choice now, so you can put yourself in, a, in an easier position later.
0: I love that, dude. It's so, so true. Anybody mm. that's out there that, uh, you know, goes to the gym or sets big goals, you know, they know that the pain is first and then the mm. the reward is later, but mm. it, it's really, and you tell me if you found this as well, Dana, during, during your career, but it's, it's when you're willing to just roll up your sleeves and just get into that dirt and that nastiness and into that suffering and find peace within that suffering and, mm. and beauty within it, that mm. everything becomes easier. Have you found that to be true?
1: Yeah, there's no question. My if, if you and I hang out for a day, I'm such a boring dude because my life, I'm like, a, I'm a monk. Like I just, my life is super like regulated, but it, it's not regulated like haphazardly. It's just really intentional. And um, all of it revolves around this this group I started uh, called Men and Women of Discomfort. And we, uh, it's, 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 it's hard choices. It's just, we're building hard choices into our life. And uh, we started with how we start our day. We do it in the middle of our day. We, it's how we end our day. It's multiple categories. It's not just physicality, but it's mental. It's emotional. It's um, relational. I track things like the other day I was in the middle of an intermittent fast, which you know you, you don't eat for a long period of time. and I was starving. And I went to Chipotle and they didn't have vegetables for the, like mm-hmm. the fifth time in a row. I was so mad. And I just Mm. kind of lost it with the employee. and It was so inappropriate. I came back and apologized later. It was like, this poor frontline worker had nothing to do with the situation. And I talked to the manager and the manager was like, we're short staffed. And I was just like entitled and a jerk. And that's, that's the truth of who I was in that moment. And then I had a chance to make the hard choice of saying, Hey, you know what? I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Um, And i go there all the time now and i try to buy as many Chipotles as i can it's my pen so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my it. point is simply like it's a reveal it's a discovery of oh there's another opportunity for me to go again and find a space to to to, to choose discover to leverage voluntary discomfort mm. as a mechanism yes. to live life as an operating system for life the problem i think a lot of people do is they hear what we're saying and they think oh i'll do it right re- i'll do a new exercise program And it's not like application level, it's like operating system level. Like You need to decide like what is the immovable rule of your life. That's the thing that you fit the rest of your life into. Even important things like family and jobs. And it's this rule of life is first, put the other stuff in. And if there's enough room, all the good stuff will fit. And the stuff that isn't that good, you'll actually find yourself going, like no room at the end. We don't want that in my life when I'm going to move it out. And you do that over the course of a year, two years, five years, 10 years. You have a pretty amazing life, even when circumstances aren't going your way. Um, one of my best sense. friends, he died he died of stomach cancer on January 1st of this year. He and I invented this, this couple thing together. I got to tell you, the year that he suffered with stage four stomach cancer, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone more alive in that year. Uh-huh. And he would say it was two reasons. One, number one, by Miles was his commitment, his faith commitment. But two, he would say he was ready. He had prepared for the inevitability of suffering. And it, not all of us suffer that way. A lot of us suffer in different ways. Um, but we all suffer. And the question is, with the knowledge that that is coming, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. What are we gonna, How are we going to get ready? And it turns yeah. out the suffering isn't all that bad. Uh, when you anticipate it, uh, yeah. even death might not even be all that bad if you anticipate it, but people are so committed to comfort and hiding from the truth and the reality of what our world is giving us, yes. um, that they, uh, they, they don't set themselves up to win. And whether it's in business or in our personal lives, there's gold in these hills. If we're willing to be as awake as we can possibly do it and keep trying to get more awake. And then move in that direction of leveraging discomfort to find
0: meaning. Absolutely. When you say awake, you know, what are you, what are you like hinting at? What are you, what are you trying to kind of open up in our listeners' minds?
1: Yeah. So I was in a, I was in a job once um, a number of years ago. And I remember I had the supervisor who said, you know, you're not very self-aware. And I was so offended because I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not self-aware. I've been to therapy and I've done this and I've done that. And and what she was giving me was an invitation to become more self-aware. She wasn't saying I wasn't aware. She was just saying, um, look, you got some headroom here in, in a particular mm-hmm. category. And if you want, take a look at it. If you don't, don't worry about it. You're fired. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> the, the, the point is, um, uh, there's, this, there's this amazing um, Indian... Uh, priest who died in the late eighties named Anthony DeMello. And, and he would say things like most people, they're born asleep. They grow up asleep. They get married in their sleep. They have babies in their sleep and they die asleep. They're never mm-hmm. awake. And he, what he instead, he invites people to do is like, wake up. And when I say that it's not like people don't have some sense of awareness of self and others, but there's so much more that we don't know about ourselves and we don't know about others until we start getting curious and moving in that direction. We'll never plumb the depths. There's too much to learn. But this work that we're describing, even owning a company and caring about individuals and realizing, wow, I have a skill set that gets me to this point, but it's not going to get me to here. How do I get curious about my gaps and the opportunities there to go where I need to go? How do I put myself in a position to, to, to grow? Well, To do that, you need to kind of move beyond yourself into some really uncomfortable waters. But when you do, you really give yourself a shot at that that growth. So our mantra at Men and Women Discomfort is to become strong and awake for love's sake. Leveraging discomfort to become strong and awake for love's sake. Something bigger than us, love's sake. Strong, uh, meaning not powerful. We might not be in a position of power, but we can be strong even in the midst of hard things. And... Awake is conscious, conscious of self, conscious of others, and conscious of our impact on these efforts to build our world around um, a more loving contribution.
0: I love that dude. There's just so many good things in that for sure. Um, little devil's advocate here. So yeah. how do I know if I'm asleep or I'm awake, Dane? How, how would I know if I'm, if i you know totally missing it? Cause I think everything's normal. I mean, it looks good. I watch TV. I listen to what everybody tells me and I do that stuff and yeah. uh, keep up with the Kardashians. Like everything's good. Like how, how do I know yeah. if I'm awake or if I'm not awake?
1: Yeah. So, so you know, that feeling in the middle of a workout, when you're not sure you're going to live, like you're just, I had one of those this morning and I was like, Mm -hmm. it was just like, it's, it's, I'm I'm being dramatic when I say that you're going to be fine, but you're just like, you're really out of breath. Your heart is pounding. Or let's say you're in another context. Like there's a conversation with your spouse or partner or friend that you're like, I need to have that. And you kind of want to barf. You're like, it's going to be as uncomfortable or, um, you're in a building and the alarm goes off and you're tempted to run away from the alarm when you know that people are hurting near the alarm and that the call is to run towards the thing and you're scared, hmm. if you're experiencing any of those things, you're awake. If you're not experiencing any of those things, you're numb. Hmm. You're asleep. And Interesting. you don't know it. And you don't know it. And um, and this is, this is the rub of our cultural moment. Uh, there's a book... I happen to have handy because it's part of, a, I'm writing a book right now, and this is some of my research, but this guy uh, named Michael Easter wrote the book called The Comfort Crisis. And he talks okay. very specifically about this, this dilemma we're in, um, that we are not going to have a wildlife. We're not going to have a happy and healthy self uh, if we are committed to comfort. Because comfort, what it'll do is it'll plug us into a pleasure machine yep. and that ultimately will lead to despair. And what we're craving is, um, is to make meaning in our lives. Mm-hmm. But you, it's very difficult, to, if not impossible, to make meaning in a world where you're you're at the right temperature all day long. You never, no muscle has to contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you never have, you only hang around with people who think the same things you do. Uh, you're, you're not willing to confess when you miss it with somebody. Um, those are all indicators that you're asleep. And if you're kind of, to the degree you can bear it. I'm, I'm sent, I'm sent, one thing. the, let me just say this quick qualifier. There are plenty of people who are not in, they're in involuntary discomfort. They're not in voluntary discomfort. Voluntary discomfort is a privileged position. Involuntary discomfort is, uh, you found out you have cancer, uh, somebody is victimizing you. Um, yeah. I'm not talking, like we're not supposed to make light of those things at all. Like, I'm just saying, when you're in a position where you have the opportunity to do the hard thing, you will wake up, you'll become sober, you'll, be, you'll experience a, a ruggedness to the world that we actually live in. And you'll leave the fabricated world of, of uh, the perfect you know, 71 degree or 68 and a half degree temperature room to mm-hmm. a, a more real room, to a room the way the world actually is. And that's where humans were meant to live. Um, yeah, but you have, we're up against it because everything, our economy is now tied to comfort. Everything is you know quick and easy and short and painless and seven minute abs. And, um, you know, just, just buy this product and you're going to experience the, 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 the dream life and it doesn't work that way. Um, yep. and, uh, the invite, and I think there's a growing group of people who are realizing there's a backlash to comfort. I'm part of the backlash. I think, I think you are too. Um, um and I think the the folks who who are pushing back against that in measured ways have huge opportunities, unfair advantages in our world, because you now have a capacity to navigate life when your colleagues in competition they they kind of fall over when it gets hard. Yep. So, that's yeah, it's I building said.
0: those muscles, man, I, and I love it. It's true and. You know, there's like you said, when you feel your heart's gonna blow out of your chest as you're pushing as hard as you can. And that sounds like my run every morning. I don't run for a long time, but I run as hard as I possibly can up and down hills. And mm. you know, there, there's at times that I'm like, you know, you don't have to do this, right? Your you don't don't saboteur kicks up. You don't have to do this. You don't that there's not one time dame that I get to that shower, which is fifty-five degrees every morning, mm. and I go in yeah. it cold and I get out of it cold. And I'm like, I turn that thing and I put my feet and my hands in for five seconds before I jump into it. And it, there's not one day that I don't realize that I'm doing this by choice. Yeah. Right. And there's not one day I don't look at that things that all I got to do is turn a knob. I could turn a knob, make that thing beautifully warm and get in there. I said, mm-hmm. but you know what? I will not take myself serious all day. It will not work. Mm-hmm. I must do the hard things that I don't want to do in order to get the things that I want in life. That's just what it is. I, that is mm-hmm. my sacrifice. If you will, it has to happen. Mm-hmm. And I have never once turned it warm. And it's been doing it for years now. Like I'm like never once done it, turned it warm. And, and what I'm upset about when we travel and we go to a place like Florida and they have city water there yeah, and it only gets to like get walk, 60, get I get breath, like, right. that's not a cold shower. <laughs> I'm like, that's like, it's not even worth it at that point. But you know, no, it, you're, you're absolutely right.
1: Well, that's a great test for your listeners. Like, if folks are at home and they're like, "I wonder if I am asleep or awake. I wonder what it is." Here's a fun invitation. Here's a fun cold
0: shower, baby. (laughs) Go,
1: go, take a cold shower for thirty seconds, and you will know what awake is.
0: Yes, and and
1: it's so you will not die. Yeah, you will be totally fine. And and we can even, Joshua, I can give you from experience. Like what happened is, you'll get in, head water will hit your head. If you have hair, that'll protect you for about. A second and a half, and then mm-hmm. the water gets through your hair onto your head, onto your cold of your neck, uh, and you you're onto your back, and there you're you're going to start breathing heavy for a second, and you mm-hmm. only have one job: slow your breathing. Yep. And what you'll find is by about twenty-seven seconds, you're going to start going like, "Huh, I'm not
0: comfortable.
1: I'm awake, and yeah. I'm not dead."
0: Yes, that's huh. exactly it. I die. <laughs> what,
1: is, what is going on? And yeah. I, I like honestly, it's a metaphor. Like it's the same yeah. thing, you know, uh, a, a conflict at work, um, someone you offended in your family, uh, a, a, an opportunity to to go it go again, you know. And when that happens, and you wake up to it, and you take advantage of it, oh my gosh, it's yeah. so. So there's so much life there. So um, much. But I, I also respect why people don't do it. It's hard. It's just but, hard. And it's not something that someone's going to convince you to. Um, mm-hmm. Even even hearing these words, there's someone who's listening to this right now. And just hearing the words is making them uncomfortable in precisely the way that a cold shower would. And if that's yep. you, good for you because you're getting it. Yep. Keep going. And
0: Keep for going. you out there that are listening to this and you're like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I love challenges. Here's your challenge, outer spaces challenge number one. (laughs) Right after you're done listening to this podcast or you finish up work or you wake up and you're going to work, whatever, wherever you're at right now, go in, turn that shower as cold as it possibly gets, let it run for a little bit. Don't let any of that freaking warm water come through first. You let that (laughs) thing get as cold as it can be. You strip down, Mm -hmm. you get in there and you bear through it. At least do 30 seconds. If you can go a minute, go a minute. And just as Dane says, that's what alive feels. When you get out and towel off, Mm Man, you are lit. You can't Mm. not be lit doing that, but you got to go in freezing cold and get out freezing cold. None of this half ass stuff. So I'm challenging (laughs) you outer space (laughs) listeners. Go do this because I'm telling you it will change your life. You'll do Mm. it once and hate it. You'll do it a thousand times and still hate it. But man, when you get used to that energy mm-hmm. that comes from it and that aliveness that comes from it, oh, there's yeah. nothing better. I don't drink caffeine. I don't do sugar. I don't do any of that stuff. And I am jacked constantly because of my ri- my rituals, the running yeah. and the cold showers and the stuff and the breathing, you know, Wim Hof breathing and things like mm-hmm. that, that just gets the, the body going. You don't need chemicals for that. This stuff is already built into you, but you've mm-hmm. got to do the uncomfortable stuff in order to get to those goodies. You just, they don't just show up on the, a plate and you can just eat them and they taste good. That's comfort. Mm. We don't want that. You've got to work your ass to get there and do the hard thing. So the challenge is on, I can't wait for the first person to send me a DM and said, I just did it. I did 30 seconds or a minute or be a baller and go two minutes in there and then shoot me a DM somehow connect with me and tell me how you thought about it. What you thought? Mm. it. How you feel after it?
1: Mm. So good, man. It's, I love what you said too. Like it's not a have to, it's a get to, I think that's what begins to happen. And, and I get why we sound like freaks to some people. I get that. Uh, but I promise free being a freak is underrated. Uh, oh. it's, it's a gift. Um, cause you don't enter into life. Like I have to do all these things. I don't have to work. I get to work. I don't yes. have to get into a wheelchair. I get to get into a wheelchair. Yes. And, uh, I, I don't, I don't have to have employees that love their job. I get to do the work to have my employees love their job. And, yep. and when you kind of approach life like that, man, it, it, all of a sudden the whole thing, your perspective shifts and you, you will literally see more of reality. Yes. And that's the part that I, I, I wish for more people. And I think that's, that's what you're daring people into. I love that.
0: Dude, exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. You know, when you look at a really tough situation, you have to make a phone call. You've got to make a a choice for your business. You know, you have to do something that is really bothering you. And you sit back and say, you know what? I don't have to do this. Mm -hmm. I get to do this. It's a privilege. Mm When you start thinking of it, like to, to, to Dane's point, I mean, he is spot on with that. When you that changed my life, when I started thinking that I get to do this, I don't have to do it. And all of a sudden, it becomes manageable. You mm. you think from a completely different perspective, and you're like, Holy crap, mm. I get to do this. I get mm. to run. I get to do cold showers. I get to do the things that even I don't enjoy. I get to do mm. them. They're privileges. Mm. You start spitting that around in your head. Try that, guys. Try that sometime. Then you have something coming up, a big decision. Just rewire in your head quickly and say, I don't have to. I get to do that and it'll change it all. Then to me, not the first time, but once you do that a bunch of times, it changes the entire field.
1: It's funny about three years, three and a half years ago, I tore my Achilles, uh, uh, in a, in a very unmanly game of pickleball. And, uh, in the process (laughs) of, um, I had about a year recovery and I remember resisting like going for a run or whatever up until I got tore my Achilles and then that entire year, this is such a cliche, I would have given my left arm to go for a run. Mm. I was so, like, watching my leg atrophy, realizing all the PT I had to go through, all the stuff. And I I was just like, somewhere in the middle of PT, I was like, I'm never going back here again. I'm Mm. never, I'm drawing a line. Uh, Because when it's involuntarily taken and you can't, I promise you, that's when you realize it really was a get to. Mm -hmm. It really was. But opportunities pass, too. And there's windows of time for people when they hear these invitations. And I'd encourage folks, if, if you know, this one's for you, act on it. You'll be glad you did.
0: I love that Dane. So Dane here, we're getting close to wrapping up. Do you have maybe three little jewels or three little tips you can give people that are looking to find, you know, a plus, uh, players for their team. We've talked about a lot of different things, but is there anything you can drop on these guys quick to, uh, of down and dirty what they might be looking for or, or how to do it, how to attract them, something to that effect?
1: Yeah, so here's what I'm not going to offer because I, I I don't think they're helpful. I'm not going to offer a shortcut. I'm not going to offer a hack. I'm not going to offer the seven minute ab version of how to get great talented people. <laughs> um, Good. Well, there is one answer for that. Uh, you pay a lot of money, and if you have a lot of money to spend, you can hire mercenaries to come in and do work for you for a season. They'll leave. Because they don't have loyalty, they're going to go to the next person who'll pay them more later. Mm-hmm. But they bring talent and they're skilled, and you can do that I, without question. Uh, there, if you are willing to pay top dollar, you could get what you want. Now, it's a, unless you're independently wealthy, that's a hard game to play. The other two options I would suggest are um, commit to the long term, decide who you want to be as a company five years from now. 10 years from now, if that's too much, two years from now, if you're a startup, whatever, you want to be alive, like whatever you're at with your company, just get clear on your identity first. And when you decide up front, we're going to be a place that no cares the competition. We're going to be a place that our employees love going to work. We're going to be a place that um, people feel known and heard and understood and they know their contribution. We're going to be a place where there's clarity about what we offer our customers and what we offer our employees to be here. Those are the kinds of identity statements that you want to get clear on. When that's when that's locked in, the second step is to say, well, what would that leader do? What would that leader do today to put ourselves in a position for that to happen? Now, that's not a hack. It's not a tip or a trick, it, but it is the path that I've seen happen working with hundreds of companies over and over and over again. The companies who lead like that they get their identity clear first, and then they go, well, what are the building blocks to get to that identity? And they just mm-hmm. hit them, hit them, hit them. And one week at a time, one quarter at a time, one year at a time, you're going to be shocked at how fast it happens. In a very meta way, um, the book, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear, um, you know, he, I started reading him back in the mid-2000 teens. Uh, He didn't write a book. He just had a blog. He put a newsletter twice a week. And um, I had him on the podcast last year and talking to him, dude, in 2021, his book was the number one book sold in every category in all of Amazon. Wow. The number, like, can you imagine being in that position? Like incredible. It's crazy. But the reason it's such a meta moment for what I'm describing is what is he prescribing that? As a human, if you want to get anywhere in life by building habits, what do you do? You get clear on your identity, mm-hmm. and then you establish minimally viable, tiny steps, the tiniest mm-hmm. you can imagine. Yep. But just make them the kinds of steps that you never miss a day of. Yep. So if you do that with your company, and it's related to, say, talent, we're going to be the most attractive place in the world for people to come to work. And sure, it'll include compensation, but it's going to be including a lot more than that. And you just get really clear on where you're missing it, bring in people to help you get there. Uh, I would love to work with companies like that, candidly. But even if all you do, if you're minimal viable, is you take one employee out a week and you ask them, what do they dream of doing in their life? When you're way beyond this place, what are you doing? And I'm going to help, I'm committed to helping you get there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That alone will get you uh, moving in the right direction. 100%,
0: dude. Dude. I appreciate it. Danis has been an amazing, you know, podcast so far. I could keep going on for hours talking to you. I love this. <laughs> like this, is, <laughs> this is amazing. So, um, again, thank you for being on. And uh, if somebody wants to reach out and find you, Dane, how do they find you? How do they connect with you?
1: Yeah. So a couple things on that one, that's kind of fun. I just set up this website called askdane.com and it's like a video walkie talkie site. You go there, you click a button, you just leave a little message and I'll it's asynchronous, so no meeting is required. I'll respond back personally. I Can't wait. Uh, it's a video, so you know it's me, and um, uh, that's an easy way to connect. But all the social channels at Dan Sanders um, easily found. But if you're if you're running a company and you you're interested in this, developing a strategy for individuals' uh, well-being, teams really high-functioning and having a collective drive, move in the right direction. Especially if you're up against like turnover issues or or just like a general sense of, I want to get my leadership stronger. Those are conversations that I love to get in. I I, I make my days around those. And that's at TellMeYourDreams.com.
0: I love that. And guys, I, I will absolutely vouch for Dane. He's come into our business and, and made a gigantic impact uh, working with the story brand and, and the rest of his skills that he brought along with him those days. But um, you know, I'm, I'm super, super uh, happy that our paths crossed and that you were able to, you know, come out and uh, and get us rolling with that. I super appreciate that. So. Could, Josh, um, can
1: I, Joshua, can I say one more thing? Please. Um, I really want to, state the obvious here, but I don't know if it's stated enough. Um, thank you for leading the way you lead. Like the fact that you have a podcast like this, that you don't get paid to do. This isn't like you're doing this is a, this is a, you're famous to your industry, to the family for providing value in a kind of way that is amplifying value where people can listen to this, do something like, if you think of like the, the economic impact of a a generous contribution like this, if you're leading like this, it's so significant. And it'd be easy for listeners to to not realize or take it for granted. But um, I recognize this is no small thing. And this isn't just a one and done kind of thing. You are committed to this in every area of your life. And it's so evident. And if if I actually hope that people get more clear on how they can reach you, (laughs) I think that actually, and if that's all they're doing, then that's great. But man man i i'm so grateful when i come across leaders who lead and don't just talk about leading and that's what you're doing and i'm, I'm so thankful
0: i'm oh, thankful for that uh, dana that was very kind thank you for those words and i know that you also have a podcast and know exactly what it's like and you know Dwayne typically is on here with us and uh you know he's got he was busy today but anyway i'm sure he'll get lots of, of you know value out of listening then once this uh, wraps up but anyway uh thank you for that. And, and Dane, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, you guys, you know, listening, you know, our, 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 goal is to impact and empower 2 million people in the next uh, four and a half years. We are at five, it's going quick. So um, if you guys got a lot of value from this podcast, please share it with people that you love, people that you are care about, that you see that are struggling, where you think this message could help. You just never know where to land. So I appreciate that. Share it with your friends, your family, colleagues, whatever. Um, we're going to need your help in order to get to those 2 million people. So I appreciate and love all you guys for, for the continued support. And thank you again, Dane, for sharing your beautiful wisdom today. And I sure got a lot from it. And I know everybody else listening did too. So thank you very much. Thank you.